Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to be with you once again, wherever you are and wherever you are listening. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, I will tell you this. We're less than two weeks away from the NBA draft. And wherever you've been listening, I believe a name when it comes to the NBA draft is becoming more and more popular on the airwaves. And it's Richard Stamen, known as Mav Drafts on Twitter. I know that he has talked with several Memphis sources, but he has been doing at least 20 podcasts today. But Rich, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you doing, sir? Hey, uh, I'm doing pretty good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, uh, th- there's a reason why, all joking aside, Rich is a very popular mind to talk with this time of year. Absolutely one of the most talented draft insiders and one of the hardest working draft insiders as well. I had the pleasure of talking with Rich on uh, Let's Talk Grizzness via Spotify Green Room. Me and Rich have talked there. That's where we kind of got to know each other. Also locked on, being a part of the Locked On family. But Rich, once again, how many prospects did you say last night that you have profiled for this year's draft alone? <laughs> so it stops at like, if you want the draftable profiles, it's really like 90 or so maybe like 100 it's kind of stops there if you want some really if you want some stretches my board goes out to 144 but i haven't fully like analyzed every single player it's where i've seen at least one game of every player though yeah yeah and 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 that's and that's crazy and at some point i really would like to have you on we won't get into that today obviously because it's before the draft but sometime here in the near future would love to get to get get you on and just kind of go through the process with you kind of for, from a draft analyst point of view, such as yourself, what all goes into doing research that you trust that leads you to the opinion of a prospect? My, my assumption is, is that it's pretty detailed and takes as much organization as it does having a keen eye for talent. Is it, would that be a good assumption? Yeah, I mean, it's there's I spent a lot of hours using Synergy. That's uh, the number one resource out there for the draft. It's um, far and away the best investment you can make. And then keeping notes and everything, like I have an entire note page for every prospect. It's it's thorough. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it, it shows in the great work, and that's why we love being able that. to talk with Rich. And, and the thing I'll say is, is that, you know, Rich, I know via Grizzly Bear Blues, you talked with Joe Molinax and Parker Fleming about some prospects, some hidden gems in this pre- prospect draft, you know, a draft where we see some risers. Also talked with the great folks over at Hoopball Grizzlies, um, Isaac Simpson and David Williams, about certain prospects that can make sense for Memphis. Today, I wanted to talk with you about the needs for Memphis from two different perspectives, needs for Memphis that some prospects in this draft really fit. And the first thing is skill sets when it comes to the Grizzlies. Now, the Grizzlies have John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. That is the duo that they're building their future around. For me, when you look at players you want to add to that mix, I think that facilitation defense and shooting and if you can get two of the three of those as a combination of one player that's really what stands out are those kind of the first words that come to your mind when you're looking at high upside players to fit with John Jaron moving forward in Memphis yeah I mean that's pretty much it I was gonna the other role I would say would be also some shot creation outside of John Morant uh really help especially like on the wings Got it. And and that's, that's, you know, and we'll get into that a bit more um, in the second segment, you know, when it comes to roster upgrades with that. But looking at that opportunity, you know, it, it, well, we'll actually talk about it now. 
facilitation comes off is the first thing that stands out to me. And, you know, the Grizzlies also have their preferences that they look at. As me and you have discussed before, they love guys that can make an impact on both ends of the court, guys that consistently make positive plays. So take that criteria. And when you look at potential players that make sense for Memphis, take two-way players that also offer intriguing upside as facilitators. Who are a couple of names that stand out to you as making sense for the Grizzlies, trading up from 17, trading back, or staying where they are in the draft? Yeah, I think if you want to move up, um, someone that I never thought I'd be seeing move up for, but I think he's getting more and more lottery hype. He skipped the combine. Um, there's two guys actually that fit that bill now that I bring this up. Uh, and one of them is a point guard. The other's not, which is kind of weird, but I'll start with the point guard. That's Chris Duarte, super high 40s, 24 years old, probably the closest thing to Desmond Bain in this draft. So if you can get Desmond Bain twice, you're probably not regretting that. The other would be Franz Wagner. While he does need to improve as a shooter, he can be that playmaker facilitator and he's a walking mismatch because of that. If you want to stay at 17, I think Jaden Springer's a possibility. Um, someone I know we both absolutely love. I think a lot of what he did well was hidden at Tennessee. And if you want to trade back, you can look at Miles McBride from West Virginia. You know, he is very grit and grind to the core, and he can shoot, he can create for others, really like his upside. We mentioned Chris Duarte and Zach Harper of The Athletic came out, and he has had two straight drafts where he's taken Duarte for Memphis, and I did a profile of Duarte last week. The what I think that in terms of how Memphis is drafted, the clear things they value, and also a guy that fits needs at least on the surface that the Grizzlies have, there may not be a better fit than Duarte. My only concern is in a draft that has this much upside, this much depth when it comes to upside, Chris's age. I'm not saying it's a detriment. It's just I feel like there could be higher upside options. Your thoughts on that? I mean, at the end of the day, it really comes down to if a guy just checks all the boxes for you, take it without regret, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's fully about your approach. If you don't think you can get someone with his um skill set archetype kind of thing in free agency like that you may not be able to afford someone like that or something like that a role player you don't want to overpay you can get the same player impact from the draft in year one with a very very long-term friendly contract that way so that's one approach to look at it but the other approach is yeah there are higher upside guys i mean this draft i do think one of the i think there's gonna be multiple people who end up top five from the class that aren't um or top 10 i should say that aren't picked in the top 20 like it's a very yeah. deep class so you could also take the swing for that kind of a bigger player later potentially or you could just like trade back there's a lot of options and ways to go about it it's fully about the approach of the team so we talk about two-way guys who are facilitators as well um, another thing that stands out you mentioned shot creation so we look at shot creators and we automatically think okay they can create their own shot they can score but do they take away from the value they add there because they really can't add value anywhere else? When you look at this draft, one or two guys who their main strength, the, their calling card, is their ability as a scorer and a shot creator, but they have underrated ability to add value on top of that elsewhere. A couple of guys that fit that bill in this draft. Yeah, um, there's three that come to mind, but one of them I think doesn't make it even to 10. So he's not even worth talking about. And that's James Book Knight. I know that's someone yeah. who some 
Grizzlies fans, and rightfully so. I want him too on my team, but like I don't see him lasting that long. That's pretty unrealistic at this point. Um, right. The best shot creator in the class, though, is Trey Mann, and he can do a lot. He, I, I really do think he's more of a facilitator than people give him credit for, and he has quick feet and good defensive instincts despite being square and wingspan. So I, I think he could be someone to look at. And then if you want another shot creator who can do a lot, it's you're going to hear this name a lot in this podcast, but Josh Christopher, I really do buy his three-level scoring shot creation and defense. That's star upside right there. And as we're transitioning to roster upgrade, because at the end of the day, it feels like a true wing, especially a big wing, makes sense for Memphis. But Rich, in talking with you and other very knowledgeable draft minds, it also seems like some of the guys that make the most sense for Memphis are guys who are in point guard bodies, but may not necessarily be the true point guard that John Moran is. They're more of the shot creators and the you know facilitators and things such as that that could play next to John Moran. We think of a shooting guard being the size of a of a Dylan Brooks, for instance, but a lot of these guys, Jaden Springer, Trey Mann, and others you're mentioning, they're smaller. But do you think, this, despite their lack of size, their skill sets are enough of a complement to Jaw to where they truly can be the long term starter next to Morant for Memphis to become a sustainable winner? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the size can be overcome very easily, especially when you have someone like who's a borderline unicorn in Jaron Jackson. That really helps make up for the lack of size but i think it really comes down to who you have just next to them not really as much as them because like if you put davion mitchell for example uh to throw another name out there if you put davion mitchell next to jaw morant that makes up for a lot of what jaw does wrong on the defensive end and jaw makes up for a lot of what davion does wrong on the offensive end they play off each other where it almost doesn't matter about the height and the lack of size overall in the backcourt Gotcha. So at the end of the day, skills trump size basically is what you're saying. It seems like that should be a philosophy all 30 teams should certainly invest into. So we talk about the skill sets with Rich, but what about also the roster? Obviously, these skills are wonderful, but what if they're available in a big wing that could fill out the third piece to potentially be in with John Jaron going forward? We'll discuss that with Rich in just a second. Over the past few years, it feels pretty good to bet on the odds that the Grizzlies will make a beneficial draft pick for their roster. Well, I can tell you this, another thing that feels good to do is when you can go to a source that can help you out no matter what sport you're betting on and gives you the ability to have the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, and that's betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Put in the promo code Locked On. That's the promo code Locked On to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this So Rich, at the end of the day, I think that when it comes to the Grizzlies, as it should be with any team, upside and skills are what matter the most. But also, if you're deciding between multiple prospects, one other relevant thing is what is your roster need? And for this Grizzlies team, they're crowded in the front court, crowded in the back court. A wing, especially a wing with size, is someone that, that could make a lot of sense for Memphis. 
especially one with two-way ability. Now, at the top of my list, as it has been on a few other lists, is Moses Moody. He's probably like Book Knight, not a reality for Memphis. But besides him, a sizable two-way wing with good shooting projection, who are another more, a few other more realistic names for Memphis in this draft? Yeah, so first of all, let me just uh, give a bold prediction. Recency bias matters to GMs and NBA teams. Maybe the poor shooting performance in the NCAA tournament will scare some teams and maybe he drops. Like It wouldn't entirely shock me if he drops out of the water. He absolutely shouldn't. But weirder things have happened. Like Brandon Clark shouldn't have dropped to 22 or whatever it was. So I don't know. Weird things have happened. I wouldn't count him out entirely. I'm going to bring back up Josh Christopher just because he fits that bill. Like I said, he has a pretty well-rounded upside. And then another guy would be Trey Murphy. Um, He does three things pretty much on the basketball floor, which is shoot, defend, and cut. But he does every one of those things at an incredibly high level. He can't dribble. He really can't shoot off the dribble. Um, Anything that has to do with the word dribble is probably a struggle for him. uh, In the offensive end, at least. But he is a ridiculously high two-way floor. So when you look at someone like a Trey Murphy, who's he's that three and D wing. The his I I don't know if I've seen a more beautiful shot in this class, Rich, than when Trey Murphy is catching and shooting. The release is smooth, quick. That arching shot is unbelievable. But my question is this: You look at what Trey does. You said he does three things well, but then you look at another player like a Zaire Williams, much further off, obviously. But ceiling is so high, and he, to me, the idea of any one prospect in this draft that fits Memphis needs, Zaire Williams' ceiling is probably that. When you're looking to potentially draft between the two, what does it come down to for you to make the selection between someone with the profile of a Williams and someone with the profile of a Murphy? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty out on Zaire. Um, I just don't know if I buy the shot as much as I did early in the year. He is very far away. And I think that things like that, you look at their timelines and it is complete opposite. Trey Murphy is almost at his ceiling. I don't really know how much he gets better at things besides just making and missing, uh, just improving, you know, misses into makes as simple as that is. And whereas Dyer has to entirely learn his skill set, like he's ridiculously streaky. He doesn't have any defensive instincts really that show on the floor. Um, and he struggled to shoot over defenses with a weird, inconsistent form. And while he's tall and can create his own shot, it's nice. But when the flashes are great, I just don't know how consistent he actually can be and if it'll hold him back. Another player that – and that, I think that's a great point because, you know, that's what you're kind of running into when it comes to these big wings. You either have the guys who are near their ceiling, but then you have other guys who projection-wise are possibly up there um, to have higher ceilings, but but who do you go with? And, and that – I'm starting to see that be an opinion of Zaire Williams. It's just – it's going to take quite a while for him to become even a relevant contributor. A couple of other names, you mentioned Franz Wagner, and I know Usman Garuba is more, kind of more of like a, a a power forward center than he is a true wing, but I do think those guys have very good defensive upsides. How important when it comes to rosters adding draft picks is high defensive upside in these big wings? Would you almost rather have a, a, a prospect who's not a lottery pick have a good defensive basis and then work on their offense and the other way around. How much is that defensive upside in these big wings? How valuable is that in the draft process? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's tough to say in a vacuum one way or another. My, my philosophy is, is like having offensive skill matters more than defensive uh, skill because 
the best defense can still be beat. I don't really think the best offense can be beat that easily. I, I think if you put, you know, like this is going to be unbelievably stupid. I'm going to use two former Grizzlies here. Say you put Allen Iverson and Tony Allen uh, and see what I did there. <laughs> I, yeah. Wait, let me actually just double check. Allen Iverson did play for the Grizzlies, right? Yeah, he played five games. So say, <laughs> so say you put both of them in their primes. I'm still taking Allen Iverson all day on him. Yeah. Um, it's things like that where it's like defense matters. And I think team defense matters a lot more. I think having someone, though, that um, can create their own shot is always going to be the player I value more. So for me, I would rather have someone who is mediocre on defense because a good defense can make escalate them that much more. We saw what Steph Curry did when he was with you know those title-winning teams. He was a bad defender before Steve Kerr came in, and then when they got KD and everyone like that, he had almost no defensive flaws because he was so easily adjustable on that. So I, I think I would rather have the offensive player with that can learn defense and be hit. Yeah, that, that, that sticks to my heart because that also – it's not 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 the best news on Keon Johnson, but that's a story for another time. Um, uh, but so, Rich. So, in the last question, I'll ask in terms of the roster upgrade perspective for a big wing. Talked about popular names in that top twenty, top twenty-five. A surprise name for you that is very underrated in a wing body as a shot creator or a facilitator, someone who not a lot of people are talking about just how good this true wing could be is either a shot creator or a facilitator that could be a very valuable pick in this draft. Yeah. So once again, Josh Christopher, but we've heard enough about him that there's another player I'd rather talk about. Uh, And that's Josh Primo from Alabama. He's a six, six, probably shooting guard is what he profiles at really good shot creator. His entire draft stock is based off flashes. He never really got a consistent run of high volume. One of his high volume games was when Alabama set, like I want to say it was an NCAA record on um, three pointers made in a game or something like that. So it was a ridiculously hot shooting night. So I don't even really think that was a fair thing to count for him, but I think, uh, you know, he has three level scoring upside. He's shown the ability to create for others can you know, be a shot creator for both others and himself and can defend a little bit at 6'6". And as he continues to fill out his frame, he's a really high upside guy. He's 18 years old. He's young and has a really valuable skill set. No. Yeah. And and he's someone that I've also seen, you know, a, a lot of these guys you watch more of, especially when they play close to home here in Memphis, Moses Moody um, in Arkansas, Josh Primo at Alabama, others as well. So it, it's really fun to see a lot of these local or regional, for lack of a better word, prospects start to get some love. But so we talk about all these different perspectives. We talked with Rich six weeks ago about some names that made sense for Memphis. We'll talk a few names, how his perception may have changed. And at the end of the day, it's not only the right name, but how to get that right name in the most valuable way. I'll discuss that with Rich in just a second. Why NBA teams across the league are focusing on how to make their rosters better this summer. One thing that I'm sure all of us would like to do is to continue to find ways to make our health better this summer as well. And while walking and exercising and being outdoors certainly is a way to do that, another thing to do that is to get a healthy diet. One of the best ways to do that is to find snacks that are healthy. And one of the best options out there is Built Bar. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar out there on the market. A protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Have it in the morning for breakfast. Have it in the afternoon as a snack. Regardless of when you have it, it's going to make your day better. And if you go to BillBar.com right now, you'll have over 18 different flavors to choose from. So no matter your preference, you can't choose a wrong flavor because they all 
tastes great. And also, if you go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Again, go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Starting on Monday, July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey starts. Featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough, our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. And I can tell you this, if you're a Grizzlies fan, you'll want to tune in. It was an exciting experience. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. So, Rich, you have mentioned a few names in this show that you did six weeks ago, so I'll just come straight out and ask it. If you were Memphis right now, and you had the ability to stay at 17, maybe trade up or trade back a few spots, what three prospects are you most targeting in this draft? Man, um, it depends on the board because I just have no clue. Uh, ba- I'm going to go off what I think will happen. So I think Garuba is going to be there. I would. I know he's not necessarily the cleanest fit with the roster. Um, that's someone who I would and, – and you said to move back like, what, 20? Just to assume like the spot, let's say like three to five spots. Like say you yeah. move with Houston or something, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. Okay. So say, uh, actually, that changes that. I take that back. I'm going to go back, start this over. I'm going to say Rocco Precaution, assuming he stays in. There's been some questioning now whether he will or not. But he's got some point forward traits, sound team defender, needs to learn to shoot, needs to revamp the shot entirely. I would also go, uh, again, I would probably say Miles McBride would be someone to look at. He really fits that bill of uh, grit and grind and Two-way guy, monster on defense, really long arms, can shoot from anywhere, can score. Uh, so I like him. And then one other, I would say Bones Highland from VCU. Ooh, um, okay. He is a great shot creator with unreal range. He's ridiculously skinny and won't be a good defender. But you hope that you can hide him in that way. And, and if Josh Primo counts, I'd like to throw him back in the mix. So you throw these names in there. Are you throwing them? Do you feel like these guys are stretches to take it 17? Because you mentioned Josh Christopher. We talk about these other guys that you that you discuss. I know big boards from the national media outlets probably are not the best thing to go off of. But the names that I see as the best fits or the best ideas for Memphis, so many of them are more trade-back candidates for the Grizzlies to get the best value. When it comes to this, if there's a guy you're convicted on like Josh Christopher, my guess is it's just best to take them at 17. But it almost sounds like, Rich, from all these names, the Grizzlies would make more sense to gain an asset by trading back and still get a guy they really like. Would that be a correct assumption? Yeah, I mean, let's be real. There's a reason I still have Josh Christopher at 22 on my board. Like, I love his upside, and I'm very high on him, and this is a deep class, and most years he'd probably be a lottery talent. But the around 15 to 30 range is completely interchangeable. And yeah, you'll probably get just as high of a ceiling with equal chance of hitting that ceiling at 23 or something like that. I mean, some of those names I threw out, like if Josh Primo's there, Bones Highland's there. I mean, even Miles McBride has a low-key underrated um, 
ceiling too. I mean, Isaiah Jackson, there's so many high ceiling guys that why would you not get get assets while taking a swing for the fences if you can, if you see no drop off between the players. One of our prospects that we are um, have talked about uh, quite a bit over the past 24 to 48 hours and someone that unfortunately is getting a lot of attention, it's very much deserved, but there was also in my heart a potential opportunity to get him is Jaden Springer. You mentioned him as the top guy on your board for the Grizzlies. Well, he was the first name at least that you mentioned when we talked five to six weeks ago. Your thoughts still on him for the Grizzlies, but not only that. Well, actually, I'll get into my second question in a second. Jaden Springer as a fit with the Grizzlies, it's it's very, very logical, it seems, but it seems like it's going to be harder to expect that with how much attention he's getting from lottery teams right now. Yeah, I I have done a 180 on Springer. I thought he was a little bit overhyped, and I am wrong that it's not overhyped. I think, if anything, he might actually somehow be underhyped. Um, the question for him, though, comes down to I've heard character concerns. I don't know how much I buy it, though. It feels like smoke from a team outside of the lottery trying to get him the same way Cole Anthony had his last year. It turned out to be pretty much slander. All the stuff, it wasn't actually true, if I remember correctly. Um, something seems really fishy as to why Jaden Springer would be falling because you watch the tape, and that guy has no business being worse than like the 13th ranked prospect. I, I just don't see it. I don't see how this man is dropping to Denver in mock drafts. It makes no sense to me. Well, and the other thing that I'll say to that is this. There are two truths, in my opinion, when it comes to Springer and Keon Johnson. And I think that me and you will expand on this a bit here in a little bit. The thing that I'm getting at is, is that it's fair to say Rick Barnes held both of them back by really not knowing what to do with them on the court. But with how Barnes coaches teams, I actually think that that's a vote of confidence in both Keon and Jaden's case that that shows they're high character guys that they're going to give effort because Barnes is not going to deal with the latter. Anybody that plays for Tennessee or comes out from Tennessee under Barnes that I've seen at least is someone that gives consistent effort. Effort and character are positive things about them. So if there's rumors about a lack of character or character concerns, I, I would be very skeptical about that, especially considering that Jaden Springer played at Tennessee uh, under Rick Barnes. The other question that I'll ask is this with players like a Springer uh, and Alperin Shingen, um, you know, a Sharif Cooper, You've got three or five of these guys who could move up and be picked in the lottery with a couple of players moving down, perhaps a Jalen Johnson, perhaps a Keon Johnson, players such as that. At some point, do players like that, who are a bit more longer-term projects than others, at some point do you just kind of throw out what you'd like to see and just take them because the value is too good for them to still be on the board where you're picking? I mean, yeah, and and like you said, something like that will inevitably happen too because for reference, I have Davion Mitchell 29th on my board. There's literally a 0% chance that he will make it to 29 or anywhere even near that. I don't think he even makes it to 20. Stuff like that, You have I have Keon Johnson at 12, You know, Jaden Springer at 10. I don't expect that to be the picks at all. I think it's going to go completely out of order from most big boards. So you're probably going to get a value pick at 17, um, would be the way I look at it. And also one other thing I wanted to touch on, you, you mentioned Jaden Springer and how you have to have a certain mold and mentality for to play under Rick Barnes. 
and how, you know, the roster really didn't do him a ton of favors. 2.9 assists per game is not a fair assessment of how good of a passer Jaden Springer is. I want to emphasize that because I saw that last night and I was in absolute shock. And what's even more amazing is that was the second highest on the team. So putting it in context, I think it really makes you understand how much, how good Jaden Springer is. Uh, I wanted to emphasize that because I think if he got to Memphis, you are getting the steal of the draft at 17. I think the value pick is there. Like I say, I know it's not the wing, but I agree with you. He's someone whose shot still is developing. I don't necessarily know if he ever becomes just a significant or above average shot creator, but where, in my opinion, Springer makes the most difference in terms of passing is doing it on the move and getting into that lane. He's a very resourceful passer on the drive, despite what he can do with the rim and the fact that he can do both of those things and has shown a good IQ at his age of knowing when to do both of those things on the drive, either shoot or pass, that stands out, and that gives you a lot of confidence in him as a facilitator and ball handler at the next level. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, he has a really great ability, I think, to read traps. Uh, Something I noticed I shared a clip of it last night. I want to say it was against, like, Missouri. He gets trapped on the baseline, and I mean, his vision is just incredible. I don't know how he found the shooter. It was, uh, I, I forget his name, Vespubi, uh, Vespucci, is that his name? Uh, 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 Santiago Vescovi. It's, it's, yeah, Vescovi. I can't remember his first name, but yeah, it's Vescovi. Yeah, I, I think I actually just named a GTA vehicle there. So excuse me <laughs> on that. I've been playing too much Grand Theft Auto. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's plays like that show how under, like the stats don't align. The stats really just yeah. underestimate everything about Jaden Springer. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that's not something that you – that's not a new thing when it comes to a Rick Barnes coach player. It's not necessarily anything against Rick Barnes. It's just that he is more focused on defense. That's why these two freshmen that came from his program – they're looked at more as having more upside on defense than offense right now. But at the end of the day, you've named some players that you're thinking, but you really do like the name Josh Christopher, Jaden Springer, Miles McBride, players such as that. I know Trey Murphy's been mentioned there as well, but those are kind of the area, the names that you think make a lot of sense for Memphis. Yeah, I, I think I think you got everyone there. The only, I guess, one other name. I'm so sorry to keep adding names here. You're fine. The other name I think that would surprise some people, but I know he has a good relationship with Desmond Bain and things like that. I could see is Isaiah Todd being that high upside shot creating four um, can do a lot on offense. So I think that might be someone else who I would throw into the mix. And that's the big thing about what, but it, it does bring up a big point. You saw that with the fact that the Grizzlies took Xavier Tillman, the Grizzlies took Killian Tilly, who was already on their roster. Jaron Jackson Jr., who had a relationship with Xavier Tillman. Brandon Clark, who had a relationship with um, uh, Tilly. Josh Christopher has those relationships. I believe he he uh, is very close with the Tayshawn Prince in the Memphis front office. You've seen John Morant give support to him. Isaiah Todd has that relationship with Desmond Bain. Those connections matter to the Memphis Grizzlies, and that's why I think you're correct in assuming those prospects are there. Rich, since we're ending the show, cannot thank you enough for taking the time. I'm sure we'll have you on again post-draft. If you get the chance to sleep between now and then, where can folks find your great work leading up to the draft, sir? <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, I. you can find just about everything I do at Mavs Draft on Twitter. I post my scouting reports. I do at least two a day uh, till the rest of the, till the draft um, on MavsDraft.com. And then also every Tuesday, so two Tuesdays now till the draft, 
uh, Locked On NBA Draft. There's going to be plenty of coverage next week. Me and Rich will both be involved with the 2021 Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. I have made my choice for the Grizzlies. I have a, I'm not going to give it away. I think that Rich is going to have an opinionated reaction to my picks when he sees them. I don't know Rich's or if he's involved next week, but with the ultimate mock draft coming up for the NBA, I will say I'm going to be very interested to see what Rich's opinion, which I think will be very, I don't know, not critical, but I'm going to be very interested to see what your opinion is going to be of what I did in the draft. Yeah, and I haven't even looked yet. I'm going into a blind to have a more authentic experience. <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. I think that you're going to have a, 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 a not necessarily criticism. I just think that it's going to be a fun reaction. So we'll see what happens. Rich, can't thank you enough. Again, you can follow Rich on Twitter at MavsDraft, obviously MavsDraft.com. His great work there. Follow everything that he does. So many great clips, so many great opinions. And beyond all that, one of the best guys I've interacted with when it comes to coverage of the NBA in the draft. His name is Rich Stamen. Rich, thanks again, sir. Hey, thank you very much. Gotcha. For Rich Stamen, my name's Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to be with you. We'll talk to you here soon on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.